Good evening. I'm Marcus Leader, and I would like to invite you on a journey of discovery as I pull back the veil and give you a glimpse of the multiverse through the eyes of a Toltec shaman. So sit back, relax, turn up the volume, and turn down the lights. You're now listening to The Shaman's Brew.
Good evening. I told you in my last show that I would be taking you on a tour through the veil and what lies beyond. However, before we get into that, I should give you some hyperdimensional basics from my lineage regarding the creation and evolution of our multiverse and the intelligent force we call deity. According to the Toltec view of my lineage, our multiverse was born out of a violent explosion within an infinite static field of force theorized today as a zero-point field. At the center of creation of our multi-dimensional universe, there was the source of all that is and ever will be. This source was a non-propagational force, meaning its power was contained in a defined space and did not radiate or travel from its center. This force is theorized by modern theoretical physicists who refer to it as a zero-point field. This field could be thought of as the creator. Then for some incomprehensible reason, this force exploded outwards in all directions, expanding from its center, forming the multi-dimensional cosmos around us. As the force expanded from its center, it began to vibrate as a result of diminishing densities and outward motion. The closer you were to the center of the source, the higher was the frequency of vibration. And the further you traveled from the center, the slower the vibrations became. This oscillation in the field of force created something that never before existed, a polarity in the force, an opposing duality that would become a motivational factor for constant change, while at the same time bringing balance to the multiverse. The original force of creation had transformed into a dynamic and perfectly balanced duality which many of us refer to as deity and through the expression of polarity, the god and goddess. We now have this enormous field of vibrating primal force with many frequencies of vibrations. 
divorce begins to naturally segregate itself in terms of harmonic resonance, forming rings of vibrational force interpenetrating each other, yet separate by their harmonics. We call these rings planes. The physical plane, the elemental or etheric plane, the astral plane, and so on. The higher the vibration, the closer it was to the center of the primal source. These rings, or planes of vibration, interact with each other through sympathetic harmonics, meaning that the lower frequencies of one plane stimulate the higher frequencies of the plane below it, causing information and energy to be uh, transmitted between planes. It's much like uh, how you can strike a tuning fork and put it near another tuning fork and that tuning fork will start vibrating as well. This is a simple and basic explanation of what the core teachings of my shamanic lineage call the creation story, outlining the birth of our multiverse. It is actually much more complex than that and goes back to a point before the zero-point field existed. But that may be a bit too complicated for this type of radio show. One thing uh, that's interesting to note is that modern-day scientists are discovering new information that seems to validate the very ancient Toltec core knowledge. So with this basic understanding of the multiverse, we can move on and examine the next part of it in more detail. We all are somewhat familiar with the physical world vibrations around us. But what about the next vibrational ring up from the physical? The place where some spirits dwell. This place is often referred to as the veil simply because humans cannot see through it with their physical senses and they have forgotten how to use their higher harmonics of uh, perception. Teaching you how to use these higher senses is one of the goals of my radio show. But until you can see it for yourself, let me take you into what I call the buffering zone that keeps our world just out of sync with the world of spirit. I have stood with my teacher, Dr. Carlos Castaneda, on the edge of the abyss that separates our world from the world of spirit and peered with awe and trepidation at the churning bluish fog that makes up the buffering zone, which we call the veil. Knowing that I was only a step away from perhaps losing myself forever in this uncharted realm had me sweating and trembling beyond my control. Uh, it was only when I felt Carlos's hand on my shoulder and heard him whisper to relax and stop shaking like a little girl, we are not going any further, that I began to compose my nerves. He told me to focus into the mist, but not to project my intent or consciousness into it. As I did this, I saw the churning mist starting to form shapes, like faces, I tried my best not to let my mind drift and form faces and familiar figures from my imagination and recognitive thought patterns known as matrixing, 
where our minds try to bring order out of chaos. But it did not help. I was seeing faces, figures, and bursts of light, blue energy everywhere. It was not until I noticed that one of the faces was staring directly into my eyes that I realized this was real. I was not making it up in my head through matrixing. The face formed more clearly with a full-bodied manifestation and locked into my awareness through an intense stare as it floated toward me. I was frozen and could not move or force myself to look away. The entity was coming faster. It was only about 10 feet from the edge of the blue mist when I was thrown backwards and landed hard on my butt. Carlos had knocked me to the ground at the last moment and then began to chastise me with a barrage of cuss words in Spanish followed by Marcos. I told you not to project into the mist. Then his mood changed and a bit and he, uh, he turned away and I could feel him smiling as he said, If you don't follow my rules, I'm not going to let you play in my sandbox anymore. He then uh, helped me up and we returned to his car. And on the way home, he, he told me to recount to him what I had seen. I told him of the many faces that formed in the mist and then disappeared, and the blue energy burst that appeared and suddenly disappeared into the edge of the blue mist-filled veil, and, then, uh, and how some of them just faded away, not even making it to the border. He then explained that the figures I saw were that of the dead that had left this world in spirit, but not emotion. It was a place where those that passed on dwelled because either they did not want to leave the physical world due to their addictions to it or their emotional ties to others or they uh, possibly they, they had unfinished business here and could not progress further until they found completion. Then there are those that were trapped out of fear and complete confusion, not understanding that they had died and uh, were no longer uh, had a physical body. The thing that disturbed me the most of many of these images were that uh, they were children. This confused and disoriented group are the ones that actually need help because they are not there by choice, as are the others. This is one of the reasons why I am actively pursuing my scientific work and making contact through the veil with hopes of helping these people move to where they need to be. I then asked him about the blue energy burst and balls of light. He said those were thought forms sent both directions between the many dimensional planes of existence. When we form a thought here in the physical realm of someone who has passed on, uh, it often is released from us, traveling into the veil and through to the other side. When we pray to deity, our prayers fo are formed into thought balls of energy called thought forms and shoot off to whatever it is that we aim them at. The stronger the thought energy and intention, the bigger and more penetrating the thought form. This also explains why some of the energy bursts uh, made it through 
to the other side, to the other barriers. And while uh, some of them just simply faded away like a puff of smoke. Based on these observations and recent developments in hyperdimensional string theory, which I will not go into at this time, my best theory concerning ghosts and how they interact with our world is that they dwell within the buffering zone between our world and the upper spiritual realms, longing for their physical life and trying to communicate with those they left behind just one last time. Or in a worst case scenario, they are trapped prisoners of their own awareness and memories or addictions and in a state of fear or stupor. Since they are just a slight vibration from our world, they can at times reach out to us or to places that they have emotionally uh, ties that have been uh, established you know, during life. They can walk the edges of the veil and sometimes push through for brief moments depending on their energy levels at the time and the actual uh, uh, turbulence at the surface of the veil. These are beings and situations that paranormal investigators seek out in our many experiments and ventures into unknown territories. If we keep this model of the ghostly world in context, we may just find a crossable threshold to the other side one day. Now that I've told you what it looks like to peer into the veil, walk with me as I take you through its elastic-like skin and into the heart of the spirit world. If I were to help you shift your perception to align your conscious awareness with the phase-shifted vibrations of the primal energy that permeates our universe, you would be standing face-to-face -face with uh, what many hyperdimensional physicists call the zero-point field. To the shaman, it is known as a plane of power, and in many other belief systems, it's called the etheric plane. However, the most common and affectionate term for it, especially among investigators of the paranormal, is the veil between the worlds. Completely surrounding you would be an ocean that you would see as a pulsating, churning, bluish-white light in varying degrees of rapidly changing forms and shades of color density. You would feel as though you were surrounded by a sea of white and blue shimmering clouds that distorted your visual perceptions similar to the effect of heat waves rising off the surface of a hot desert road. Through the chakras of your body, you feel and hear an almost incomprehensible roar caused by the transfer of energy and information between the physical and the spiritual worlds. You would intuitively understand in an instant that this is a place of power. This veil between the worlds serves two purposes. First, it is a place where all energy on the physical plane emanates from and travels through. It is a conduit of the primal force that sustains our world energetically. Second, it is a medium or ether through which information from higher rings or planes are harmonically phase-shifted vibrations, sometimes referred to as the astral plane or spirit world is transmitted through. 
Standing in this sea of such an awe-inspiring force would cause an overwhelming feeling of confusion by its uh, sheer grandeur. And you may uh, miss many of the more subtle intricacies that occur there. If you were to focus your awareness off into the undulating currents in any given direction, you would eventually notice one of the many individual spheres of white light far off in the distance. These spheres seem to move for a distance, and then they just vanish right before your etheric eyes. Soon you would be uh, intuitively understanding that these are what shamans call thought spheres. These thought spheres are made from the very matrix of the plane of power itself by the focused intent of a being either from our world or from the world beyond the veil. These thought spheres are a form of communication and can be both consciously generated as well as subconsciously. When someone prays to a deity or asks for help and guidance from a spiritual guide or angel or simply longs for a loved one lost, it generates a thought sphere of energy that is launched into the target or launched to the target rather through the power of intention. Most of these messages are lost or absorbed by the highly energetic field of the vein of the, or excuse me, of the veil or plane of power and uh, never reach their targets. The more brilliant and powerful spheres are, often have a greater rate of success where they are driven with a more powerful force of intention, most often as a result of greater emotional need or desire. The most brilliant of these spheres from the physical plane originate from skilled people of knowledge or religious faiths such as clergy, uh, priests, um, shamans, and surprisingly enough, young children. From the other side of the veil, the brilliant spheres of energy seem to originate from deity, spiritual teachers, uh, or angels, whatever you want to call them, and, uh, and a very large group of spirits that still have emotional ties to the physical planes, which we often refer to as ghosts. Now, slipping back into our own reality, you would see and feel the surface of the etheric veil as we slipped through its elastic barriers and back into our normal reality, hearing a loud snap or possibly a crackle as uh, there was a discharge of energy. That's just a little teaser of what it's like to step inside the veil and look around. You, of course, technically can't do that with your physical body, but through uh, projection of a consciousness, which we will go into in another show, you can step right into it and experience all the things uh, and more that I've uh, just spoken about. Next week, I will take you further as we explore some of the wildlife and entities that dwell within this buffering zone. Following this, we will venture into one of the most dangerous and scariest places in the entire multiverse, the second and first levels of the astral plane.
And now you are in for a very special treat. This week's poetry offering is composed and read by one of the great poetic minds of our century, the magically bewitching, brilliant, and beautiful Brandy Schwann, also known as the Grim Trickster. Praised by her colleagues and peers with the views like true works of art in every respect of the word, combine them all, and you have the recipe for a magical occurrence that meets us nose to nose, just when we least expect it, and makes us open our eyes to the sheer beauty that life has to offer. Dark and inviting, like a glass of poisoned wine you gladly down to the last drop. Brandy's works are just that, an elixir that envelops the soul, strangles the heart, and leaves you begging for more. There is no doubt that Brandy Schwann will be remembered by history as one of the great modern poets. Brandy is also a published author, and you can find her book, The Grim Trickster, at Amazon.com or ApexDigest.com. Now let's join Brandy as she weaves her magic and caresses our minds at our deepest level, stimulating primal states of the macabre, horror, and erotica in places we seldom dare to venture in our waking consciousness. So close your eyes and walk with Brandy as she takes you on a ride to the dark side with her recital of Play With Me. Play With Me. The breath you offer, macabre exhale. You need only breathe in, invoke me. I am sitting in wait behind your ear, whispering, whispering darker tales. Legendary creators, ah, legendary lovers, those depths. Oh my darling hell, abyss, darkness, mine a mournful home. Such comfort. Come in. Come in and play for a while. What is forbidden quickens my pulse. Crimson queen, draw blood for blood. Her sienna moon sinks slowly, lowly, slide down the night a stain. This soul of horror's delight, I bleed. Ink black well, constant flow, death for life. Walls, skull, and bone. Your name called out. Whisper the haunt. Flow through and through cavernous eyes. Echo, empty spheres, hollow. Dropped jaws, expressions froze, horrors stripped face. Terror does remember Darkador. Now, scream. Alabaster nude, skins fall, exposing ancient relics. Gory decor in tombs, drips spatter red. 
your slick tears internally seeping. creatures seek, crawling through and through, shadows, nightmares, as they sleep. Holy hell, vertigo halls, oh fire lit, torch for torch and you are led. Mine eyes do covet morbid realms, I create. Call me out, lie amid my craft, carious criminalia, adipocere, slick floors below your bare feet. I play right upon gray stone, waiting, walk through that iron door, I will find you there. Euphoric torment winks, her sharp clear eye invites. Come in, come in. Come now, let's play. Oh, massacre. <laughs> oh. Mm.
news from the lab. Okay, so what have I been up to in the lab this week? While I did run a few experiments with my trans-dimensional transceiver, unfortunately, I did not get any results worth uh, speaking about. However, one bit of news you might find interesting is that I have coordinated a rather bold experiment with a colleague that will take place tomorrow evening in an attempt to influence my transdimensional transceiver with projected human intention or personality from a thousand miles away. If successful, I believe this could be a first in transdimensional 
communication experiments. I will be recording and filming the event and will report back to you next week with my results. If we have any kind of success with this experiment, I will also place the video up on my website for all to see. Now, I would like to continue talking with you about the veil that separates our world from the world of spirit by revealing some information that you probably have never heard. Paranormal investigators often talk about the thinning veil and how spirits are able to come through at times when it thins. And I have explained in the first part of this show how that happens. But what I did not talk about is why paranormal activity is more likely to manifest during the night rather than during the day. This is not to say that it cannot happen during the day, but research indicates that most paranormal activity occurs after 8 p.m. and peaks between 12 a.m. and 3 a.m. Why is this? What is the significance of this time frame? To answer that question, we must first look back at my hyperdimensional model of the veil that I presented in the first part of the show. If you recall, I said that the surface of the buffering zone or veil that separates our world from the world of spirit is in motion and often very turbulent energetically speaking. This is what makes the energy transference between worlds a bit of a challenge. It is like uh, trying to see the bottom of a river while rafting through the whitewater rapids. You can't. When the turbulence slows down, the veil becomes more transparent and easier to pass energy through. If we were to monitor the turbulence in the veil, we would see that it is cyclical, not only through the year, but throughout the day as well. There are other factors like the moon and solar flare and geomagnetic storms that also influence the veil. But our concern for now is the daily cycle of activity between night and day. The secret to this cycle is found in one of the causes of turbulence in the veil. Cosmic radiation from the sun. That's right. Cosmic rays cause a type of interference with the surface of the veil that increases the turbulence and directly affects the amount of energy transference between worlds. During the day, the cosmic ray levels are high as atmospheric neutrinos are produced in the collision of primary cosmic rays. Without getting too technical, what this means is that this bombardment of high-energy particles creates an agitation or turbulence in the veil during the daytime. After 8 p.m., the level of, this, of these uh, atmospheric neutrinos drops significantly, reaching the lowest point between 12 and 3 a.m. This means that paranormal activity could very well be at its highest point during this time. It also means that you would be most vulnerable to spiritual or psychic attack during these times. One other interesting fact about uh, this time parameter is that UFO researchers say that most alleged abductions take place during this time. 
Could it be that these entities are moving through dimensions during these abductions? That will be the topic of a future show. With that, I must close the show and join you again next week when I start giving you hands-on Toltec techniques from my lineage regarding meditation and perception that could very well change your life. Until then, have a great evening, and remember, when you are out and about at night, to watch your back after the witching hour. You never know who might be watching you. Thank you for listening. This is Marcus Leader, and you've been listening to The Shaman's Brew on Jackalope 105 FM on the Jackalope Media Network. Come to thee by the moonlight Who hell should 
musket shot at the moonlight Shattered a breast in the moonlight And warned him away the dead He turned his spur to the west He did not know she stood But with her head of a musket Drenched with her own red blood Not till the dawn he hooted His face grew grey to hear Others the landlord's daughter The landlord's black-eyed daughter Had watched for love in the moonlight And died in the darkness there And back he sped like a madman Shrieking a curse to the sky With a white road smoking behind him And his Arabia brandished high Blood red with the spurs of the golden moon Wine red with his velvet coat When they shot him down on the highway Down like a dog on the highway And he lay in his blood on the highway With a bunch of lace in his throat Riding, riding, a highwayman comes around. 